Hello and welcome to Motive Insights, the Motive Partners podcast where we live and breathe the next generation of financial technology. I'm a vice president at Motive Partners on the investment team. And today I'm joined by Jason Quinn, the chief product officer at Truman. Jason, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. So Jason, you've been at Trumid for nearly seven years. You are currently the chief product officer at Trumid. Can you tell us a bit about what you do at Trumid and how you got to Trumid? Sure. Well, as the title would suggest, chief product officer, my main focus is the product itself. You know, the software that we put in front of our clients to help, you know, create value for them, improve their workflow and enhance the liquidity they have at their disposal in the marketplaces that we operate in today. From a background perspective, it's relatively interesting, actually. I would say if you go all the way back to before when I was actually in the financial industry, I've always had an interest in product. In fact, coming out of high school, I tried to be an auto designer. I was fascinated with the actual design of automobiles and really wanted to do that as a career. For a variety of reasons that didn't work, I ended up kind of stumbling my way and found myself on the sales and trading side at Lehman Brothers in the undergraduate program in 2000, so just more than 21 years ago now. And out of the training program, I was in credit. I was trading exotic derivatives at the time. That's what they were referred to as structured products, credit default swaps, so on and so forth. And eventually that became more of a plain vanilla credit product. I was instrumental in helping to get some of the index CDS products started, which are still popular to this day. And unfortunately, I was a Lehman Brothers employee. So I experienced a variety of things while at Lehman, you know, 9-11, so we were down at Three World Financial Center, as well as obviously the bankruptcy. So I ended up going over to Barclays. I was still part of the credit business. Left in 2012 to go to the buy side. I worked at a couple of hedge funds during my time on the buy side, the first being Caxton and then finally at Millennium. While I was at Millennium, again, trading credit, trading single name risk in a variety of ways, it was 2014 when there was a little bit of a market shock with the energy sector. Oil had traded down 50%. And I started to experience what the liquidity pullback could be from the buy side seat. And at around that time, I had heard that some of my former colleagues, most notably Mike Sobel, who I worked together at Lehman for a very long time, was looking at a new venture in electronic trading. And I was a bit skeptical because it's very difficult for platforms to start up within the credit space, but thought that from a market structure standpoint, it was time for something to happen to help improve the tools that were available to market participants. And so I took the plunge and started seven years ago, and here we are today. That's awesome. Thanks for that background. So I want to talk about the market a little bit before we dive into TrueMid. Yeah. Global credit trading is becoming increasingly more electronic, with TrueMid playing a very important role in that market adoption. Can you tell us what is causing the accelerating shift from legacy voice and chat-based credit trading to electronic credit trading venues like TrueMid? Yeah. You know, First, I would say there's still a bit to go. A large percentage of the market, particularly here in the U.S., is still predominantly traditional over-the-counter, which means telephone or instant message in some way. So there's a lot of work left to do and definitely happy to say that Truman is playing an important role in that. There are many drivers, I would say, for the sort of secular shift to things being more digital. 
One is just that I think e-commerce in general is more a part of our everyday lives. And so I think there's just this desire to want to have technology be a part of the process. There's lots of inefficiencies when you're talking about traditional over-the-counter, complete unstructured negotiation, which means there's an opportunity to streamline. And structuring things means data capture. And when you're talking about a world where you know there's fee compression and there's more scrutiny over quality of execution and where liquidity is, that's where technology is supposed to play a role. You know, again, we think about how we're enhancing workflow, how we're enhancing liquidity. In a lot of ways, those two things go hand in hand. And that's our job at Truman. That's my job as a product person at a trading venue is to think about workflow and the little intricacies of our product and how we might be able to make our clients' everyday lives a little bit easier in terms of getting their trades done, getting access to liquidity, managing the risk, and hopefully along the way, just creating higher velocity of trading, which is good for the overall health of the market. That's great. And fits perfectly into diving into what differentiates TrueMid from the other electronic platforms. Obviously, through a combination of your market expertise, the agile technology, and focus on product design that TrueMid has, TrueMid's been able to differentiate itself significantly. Can you tell us more about TrueMid and how TrueMid drives profound impact in the U.S. credit trading market and what problems you're solving for your clients? Sure. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but I'll give it my best shot. So number one, we really tried hard from the very beginning to be differentiated. And that matters because these are network platforms. So you have to be able to add enough value, even out of the gate, to have the pleasure or the ability to assemble the network of potential clients beneath the surface. That network is the liquidity that's potentially available to all the participants that are in within your platform. And so the way we differentiated at first was to say, okay, we know what the predominant workflows on the electronic side are. There's a lot more to do here. There are other ways to trade electronically. So we focused on round lots. Our original protocol was anonymous, which is sometimes referred to as all to all. And it was you know, a nice combination of dark pool-like protocols as well as limit order book protocols that helped us to establish a place in the market. The other thing you said, which is extremely important, and it really has to be repeated, the market expertise. Because we understand the product so well, because many of us had traded or were on the sales side, both buy side and sell side along the way, we really understand how the asset class trades. And that goes directly into the design of the product. And finally, you know, sweating every little detail about the design probably means we're going to save time here and there. And it's always these little things that add up. So again, if you combine that market expertise, a real you know, knowledge of how the product trades, corporate bonds and credit, that is, you know, a differentiated toolkit, as well as a real focus on product design, and you capture a lot of attention. That's awesome. So I really want to double click on that point because it's so important. What is the difference between building product for a market like the U.S. corporate bond market, where the end users of your products have such deep market expertise versus a consumer-facing fintech product where the users probably have much less familiarity with the assets that they're trading? And I guess the second question, how do you and your team tap into your deep collective industry experience in fixed income to get the product right out of the gate? It's a great question. I'm going to answer it as if I had the answer right away and I didn't. It took years and years and years of thinking about this stuff. 
There is one primary factor that I think matters when you're considering being a product professional, and that is how many potential end users do you have? Whether it's consumer fintech or just regular old consumer-based products where you have millions and millions of potential customers, being a product professional at a company like that is quite different from being a product professional where there's a very small subset of potential users. So what that means is to do product and do it well, you need that market expertise because you're not going to have the opportunity to roll something out, gather data, and make some inferences about how the product's being used and then change on the fly. You kind of have to get it right more out of the gate. Now, I'm not saying we have to be perfect, but we really do need to create things that showcase the fact that we know what we're talking about. We've done this before. And we can take your feedback, understand exactly what you're saying, and quickly turn it around either to a completely new feature on the platform or an enhancement to an existing feature or a small tweak, whatever it might be. And again, this wasn't something that really dawned on me until many years into this journey, where I finally figured it out that it's very difficult to find people who can combine an eye for product and understanding of how product in a product organization needs to work and the expertise in the market. You know, it's an important facet of putting things out there in front of our client base that is going to be more useful out of the gate than not. That totally makes sense. Did you know Motive Partners has a weekly newsletter? It's called Motive Insights. It comes out every Sunday morning and it's packed with everything you need to know about financial technology from our team of experts. You can subscribe at motivepartners.com. So... I want to talk about TrueMid's recent success as a innovative trading platform. You've experienced significant market share and client activity growth over the last two years, largely due to the rapid success of your attributed trading protocol. Mm-hmm. And since the launch of that in 2019, daily trading volumes on TrueMid's platform are nearly seven times higher than they were two years ago in 2021. And the year-to-date average daily volume has increased 71% year over year. Can you tell us how the attributed trading protocol works and what makes it unique as a dealer-to-client trading method? Yeah, so this is almost a reference to the very first question about why the credit market is starting to become more digital and the fact that a lot of the market is still traded in what we'll call traditional over-the-counter. Again, to repeat it, over the telephone or instant message or, or something of that nature. Attributed trading was really an attempt to be a digital version of that typical bilateral workflow. Happens all day, every day, and has been for decades. Dealers will you know, send market data out. The way they do that is it tends to be with just Bloomberg messages that they send. It's either their runs or their acts data, or maybe they're communicating it to their sales force, and their sales force may be communicating that information back to the clients, and they wait for the phone to ring, or they wait for those incomings. And their job is to make prices. And they're either making bids or offers or both if they're asked to make a market. And that's how they engage and trade bilaterally. What attributed trading does is allow the dealers to point that market data to specific individuals that they subscribe to their streams. We've created really nice tools for the buy side that's consuming that data to find what it is they're looking for, what's relevant to them. How can we save them time? They have this fire hose of market data that tends to go toward them. How do they refine it down to something that's digestible, that helps them actually find where the dealer may be most axed, where the dealer may be the right counterparty for a particular trade? 
And that can happen with our integration with that buy-side user's OMS or EMS, or they could just be using interactions that we have designed and delivered to them directly on the TrueMed platform. And Attributed puts all that together, allows them to consume that data, engage, bilaterally negotiate, and hopefully trade or not trade. And the important part of that is when they don't trade, there's still a record of that engagement. And that's the part of making this unstructured world more structured through attributed trading. There's a big data exhaust element of that that will continue to grow in terms of its importance to the overall attributed trading story. And we'll continue to expand on the overall protocol set that we make available to our clients. We continue to design interactions on the front end for them to find more and more use for all the tools that we make available to them in this ecosystem of protocols that we deliver through the platform. That's so interesting. It's so clear how that's creating more market structure and more opportunity for the entire market, your clients, and for TrueMid going forward. Absolutely. On that point, I guess TrueMid was really created on the vision of bringing more efficiency and connectivity to the credit markets. And TrueMid's come a long way on that journey. What's next for TrueMid? What are the most exciting growth opportunities? Are there plans to diversify into other list-based protocols, asset classes, geographies? We'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, certainly. You know, we like to believe that what we've designed works really well for a lot of semi-liquid asset classes. When I say semi-liquid, that may not like ring a bell for most people, but I just mean not expected to be continuously liquid and traded on an exchange where there's a price maker or a series of price makers that are willing to make bids and offers all day long. So there are many asset classes that showcase that those types of characteristics in being semi-liquid. Theoretically speaking, we could you know, expand into many of those asset classes. We're already in the process of expanding into emerging markets in LATAM. Geographically, we're looking at Asia relatively seriously, as well as other parts of the world. From a protocol standpoint, which is what I'm focused on currently, list-based trading protocols is what you said. That's exactly right, because our current anonymous protocol and attributed protocol is on a single QCIP. List trading is traditionally regular way request for quote, and nowadays a slight spin on RFQ, something called portfolio trading. So our first entry into list trading will likely be in the portfolio trading space and expand from there. And again, the key part here is it's not that we add protocols one by one and they're just totally separate and we ask our users to focus on one or the other. We work really hard to make sure they're integrated and not integrated in the way that an OMS or an EMS integrates with our platform, but where it's very clear to the end user of our system how these protocols work together. And over time, because you asked about opportunities going forward, the goal is going to be now that we've assembled this market-leading aggregation of market data from the dealers to the buy side, we have this vibrant anonymous protocol. We'll continue to add in other protocols. What types of analytics and visualizations can we create to help from a pre-trade perspective, to help post-trade with things to help prove you know, the quality of the execution that's happening on the platform? There's a lot to do there. And so we're, we're really still in the middle innings of the journey, for sure. Best case. That's great. And Motive is very excited to be a part of that journey with TrueMid. Finally, our last question, we have a very wide audience of industry experts, investors, founders listening in today. What is your advice to founders, product managers, and other market participants looking to build a product in the capital markets industry? Sure. I'll start with products because that's nearest and dearest to me. It's more of what I said before. You know, Based on how many potential end users you have, 
is really going to determine how much expertise you need on your product team. The fewer users you have in the potential user set, the more expertise you need in whatever it is you're trying to do, because you're only going to get a couple of bites at the apple per se. And sweat every little detail. I can't tell you how much we labor over the littlest things, but they add up. They add up and they're meaningful. And I believe that clients notice. You know, sometimes you have like when you're thinking about your user set, you know, there's a pocket of the users that are into the new things and they sort of catch those little details. That's what we live for on the product side of TrueMid. We really want people to notice all the little decisions that we make that add up to big things. And I think that's important and should not be overlooked. From a founder's perspective or someone looking to sort of, you know, start a business, especially in the kind of B2B fintech space, takes a long time. It takes persistence. It takes patience. It takes knowing that every day there's going to be wins and losses. And the key is that the wins outnumber the losses. And then once you get your mentality in that space, it starts to add up. And seven years later, you can be in a position where you're no longer considered a new entrant and probably more an incumbent. You've assembled a network like TrueMid has. You're starting to see accelerated growth. And now we get to see our vision continue to come true and manifest itself through the platform and hopefully add value for our clients. That's amazing advice for someone that has done it and done it with an immense amount of success over the last seven years. So thank you. Well, I think that's it from our side. We really appreciate the time today, Jason, and the amount of detail you gave. That was really special. Thanks for the time. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for your time and insights. And thank you very much for tuning in. I'm Sam. See you next time. The information contained in this podcast is intended for discussion purposes only. It is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation for the purchase or sale of a security or any services of Motive Partners. All investing involves risk, and there is no guarantee that past performance will be indicative of future results. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are as of the date of recording, reflect the views and opinions of the persons expressing them, and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Motive Partners. Motive Partners makes no representations or warranties as to the accuracy, reliability, or completeness of any information provided, and undertakes no obligation obligation to update, amend, or clarify the information in the podcast, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. Any securities, transactions, or holdings discussed may not represent investments made by Motive Partners. It should not be assumed that securities, transactions, or holdings discussed, if any, were or will be profitable, or that the recommendations or decisions made in the future will be similar, or will equal the performance of the securities, transactions, or holdings discussed herein. This podcast may contain forward-looking statements that are based on beliefs, assumptions, current expectations, estimates, and predictions about the financial industry the economy, motive partners or motive partners investments. Nothing in the podcast should be construed or relied upon as investment, legal, accounting, tax or other professional advice or in connection with any offer or sale of securities.